Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to GBB Live, presented by Bluff City Media's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. This is the first GBB Live under the Bluff City Media umbrella, and we are super excited to be here and deliver all the best Grizzlies content. You can become a Bluff City Media insider at bluffcitymedia.co slash join, where you could get all sorts of access to merch, our Discord chat, live events, auctions, and so much more as well as our premium content covering the Memphis Grizzlies and the Memphis Tigers. So, yes, Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network still has the same feed where you can find GBB Live, Starting 5, Core 4, Next Gen, and Grizzly Bear Bets. And just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're following Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and joined with me today, is the host of Grind City Media's Fast Break Breakfast and Grits and Grinds. You probably know him on Twitter as Fast Break Breakfast. It is Keith Parrish. Keith. Hey, Parker. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Uh, it is, I mean, for me personally, fine. Um, for for the Grizzlies, yeah, we're kind of going through it, it feels like right now. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, I was trying to enjoy my vacation uh, over the weekend and then, you know, I'm out. I'm out of the bar, and I look on the uh, the TV, and I can see the Grizzlies Nuggets game, and they show a highlight thing for Brandon Clark, and I'm like, oh, did Brandon Clark do something cool? Nope. Towards nope. Achilles, and then yep. get on Twitter, see Dylan Brooks got another uh, technical foul. I'm like, oh, cool suspension, and then I woke up and saw the John Morant Instagram live where he was flashing a Glock, and that started a bunch of craze, especially given everything going on with him over the past month, year, however you want to spin it. But, you know, I'm not going to get into the John Morant stuff. Uh, Joe Molinax for Bluff City Media put together some really good pieces about it. Uh, starting five, core four, they talked about the John Morant news as well on their shows. I want to focus more on the Brandon Clark stuff because, you know, I wrote about it on Bluff City Media how – I want to get your opinion on this. I think the Brandon Clark thing is is going to be a little bit underrated, and I feel like his presence has been a little bit underrated this year, Keith, because everyone's enamored by Santi Aldama emerging as an NBA player. And then Xavier Tillman, you know, having good outings against Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, and everyone's just talked about Brandon Clark's expendability, Brandon Clark's playoff uh, role with Xavier Tillman playing good in situational minutes. Do you feel like like Brandon Clark's kind of kind of went under the radar this year in a way? I don't 
I don't know. I guess. I mean, I thought it was a huge loss. Um, I thought it, it makes the Grizzlies definitely worse. I think it lowers their ceiling as, as a team. I think it makes it less likely they advance, you know, in a playoff series. I think it's a really big deal for the Grizzlies. I think Brandon Clark is clearly a better player than Xavier Tillman, than Santi Aldama. And I think the fit between him and Jaron has always been perfect. And they're, they're guys who elevate each other and his defense on the perimeter and the way he can fill that vertical spacing lob threat that the Grizzlies are basically lacking in other places. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's, he's one of the only good rebounders on the team. The fact that he's a shot blocker guys who get steals and like, we just keep losing these pieces, you know, based on last year's off season. So I think it's, it's a huge deal. I mean, as far as if are other people underrating it, I don't know. I guess I haven't come across the other people who are like, Oh, it's no big deal. Certainly Xavier Tillman has been playing very, very well as a starter, but I'm still like, if you listen to grits and grinds, I'm still like, you know, give me, give me Brandon Clark. That's what I've always been. I mean, uh, you had Xavier doing that awesome run where he's up against Jokic and Embiid in consecutive games and holding his own. But like, for me, it's kind of like proving the unknown where it's like, well, yeah, he did fine. But like, what if we played Brandon Clark in those same lineups? They, they destroy everyone when Brandon Clark and Jerry Jackson Jr. play with the starters. So like, yeah, Xavier Tillman's like doing fine, but he has his own set of limitations. He's not a very good defensive rebounder. And I, I don't think uh, he has the same pop that the Grizzlies need. And, you know, hopefully he can step up and keep playing this well. And maybe there won't be a letdown. And maybe Santi Aldama will continue playing well. Like we're, we're so excited about Santi Aldama. I feel like based off of how underwhelming his rookie year was, like Santi Aldama's yeah. good. But we're still, I feel like as, as fans, sometimes we, we obviously overrate our guys. And it's like, but like Santiago Dama is not better than, you know, various other seventh and eighth, ninth men on other NBA teams. And like, I don't think he's better than, than Brandon Clark, really. Um, maybe he's a little more p positionally versatile, but I, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I'm really upset you know, for this happening to Brandon, uh, I'm like super relieved. He actually signed an extension, so it's not going to affect his, his bank balance and, you know, his, his ability to sign a contract in the off season. So like, I'm glad he got all that money wrapped up, but I think it's a big deal for the Grizzlies this year. I think it's a big deal for the Grizzlies going forward. They are now shorthanded in the front court kind of permanently. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, I agree on the contract front. I'm glad he got that extension. You know, I, I didn't, I never wanted to talk about the money thing on uh, my piece yesterday on bluffcitymedia.com just because, just because you know, the, a guy tears his Achilles in the middle of his prime. He's has a big impact on this team. I'm like, man, I'm not gonna pile on him and be like, oh yeah, that's a that's a negative contract now. But you know, I, I will say on the Santi Aldama front, one thing that I was really excited for for him this year was the fact that he was going to be a playoff rotation wild card where if he was doing well and shows that he can hang in the playoffs, cool. You got the ninth man. And if not, he's an easy omission from the playoff rotation and you can actually play your best eight guys. Now with Brandon Clark, Santi Aldama was the third big man in that in the yeah. playoff rotation. And you're, you're a lot more top heavy now going into a postseason. And just with Brandon Clark, he just allowed you – to blend like small ball principles while maintaining your style on the floor because he's a good rim protector. As you said, I want to say he, along with Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson jr. Where defender or their opponents shoot at least double digits worse with them protecting the rim than expected. And 
He's also a great offensive rebounder. I saw on uh, the B-Ball Index, he's in the 88th percentile in putbacks per 75 possessions. Even though he doesn't set bone-crushing screens like Steven Adams because his vertical spacing, like you said, he is one of the best pick-and-roll roll men in the entire league. And it's it's just a crushing blow because it's such a chess piece that you, you're losing because... So- yeah, what's yeah I, I want to add on that, that like what you're saying like I, I think it is a crushing blow and because like the way that this Grizzlies roster is specifically constructed where they have these really obvious faults and they have these flaws and they have this this half court offensive deficiency and we know they overcome that with extra possessions we they overcome that with steals and turnovers and with second chance scoring well Brandon Clark was like your second best offensive rebounder behind Steven Adams. And then you play mm-hmm. this game. Like, it's not always that like the, it's not always that the events of one specific game perfectly illustrate like the bullet points that we're going for, but like that game perfectly illustrated the bullet points. They had zero offensive rebounds in the first half. I believe they finished with, with maybe two for the game. They yeah. had two second chance points. Like this team is bad in the half court. And now you've eliminated the second chance scoring. You've gotten rid of happy things. Like what if Steven Adams, misses a game in the playoffs. He missed games in the playoffs last year. Like you're not going to win. Like you're flat out, probably not going to win a playoff series now because like your depth, it's no longer last year in the playoffs. Hey, Steven Adams, we decided uh, after game one against Minnesota, we're not going to play him. We're going to go with Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark, or Hey, Jaron's in foul trouble. We're going with Brandon Clark or Hey, Melton's not making his shots. We're not going to play him in these games against Minnesota or Zyra Williams, not making his shots. Whoever was, there were options. There were options upon options last year. There are no longer options. It's now just like, I mean, there are options, but I don't know if they're good ones. It's like, I guess Sancho Dom is going to play no matter what, or we're going to be like, you know, Conchar has to play no matter what. And so like now when you look at the bench, it's no longer a strength. And if anything happens to the starting five, like you're way worse. And so I, I do think, I mean, not even just talking about depth. Maybe I'm a fringe opinion holder, but like, I think this, the Grizzlies, ceiling was 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 there for, with Brandon Clark. I thought the best five-man lineup, they they closed with it in some playoff games last year when there was no foul trouble. So it felt like, to me, the coaching staff realized our best chance to win in the postseason against a lot of lineups, against a lot of teams, is going to be with Brandon and Jaron in the front court alongside Dylan, Dez, and Ja, and that's out now. So, like... That best case scenario, which again, they went to when Steven Adams was healthy, they would go to that lineup in fourth quarters. That's gone now. And so now it's just like an, uh, just a, a, another blow of like, you know, yes, Desmond Bain's taking a step forward. We don't know what's going on with Ja. Um, Jaron's taking a step forward. But beyond that, this Grizzlies roster, it, it, it's been a, a little bit of a disappointment. And now like this season, which started off so well, is, is you know, going, you know, in a very rocky manner. Yeah, I, I totally agree on really all, all those fronts. You know, you talk about, and I definitely want to get into the lineup stuff because, I mean, I'll, I've always been with you of like the John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. lineups. Those are amazing. Like, because again, you can kind of blend your same principles. You have two switchy big men that can also protect the rim. And with half court offense, not only with his putbacks, but with also his lob abilities where, but John ja, ja Morant, Tyus Jones, you run a pick and roll with Brandon Clark. Teams are either going to play the lob and you get a layup or a floater, or if they don't, you have a sprinky big man to throw it to. And that's a source of half-court offense there. But, I mean, I'm looking at the, the, that five-man lineup this year. 
They only played 118 possessions together, and it should have felt like more. They had a net. They have a net rating of 24.6. Last season in the postseason, they played that lineup together for 87 possessions. Net rating yeah. of plus 35.6. And yeah. that's and you're not playing any tanking teams with that. You're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors, two playoff teams who won the Minnesota Timberwolves. They they owned the Grizzlies for a lot of that series before those comebacks. And then Golden State Warriors, they went on to win the championship. I mean, you just I, I only know this, Parker, because of this is my own personal obsession. The um that five man lineup, I want to say, played something like two minutes against the Warriors because of because of uh, the it, it, you know Jock got yeah. hurt obviously, um, and then there was uh, Dylan's suspension. Uh, there was a number of issues keeping all the players from being available. So I want to say they only played basically in one game. So that really solid net rating from last year in the postseason was against the Timberwolves primarily. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're like, I, I just on grits and grinds. I like, I keep a running tally where I'm like, we're up to, and now I basically have to retire it where it's like, all right, it played 200 possessions ever. Uh, and it's like plus 30 net rating all time in those 200 possessions. And, it, and the funny thing was like, it wasn't even that, like it was good offensively. It was like a 120 something offensive rating, but right. it, it was all about defense. Like they, every time their, their defense was elite, like they didn't even shoot a good field goal percentage um, when they were on the court together. So like, maybe you could say that's a criticism of it for me. I'm like, well, the field goal percentage might go up. You're already plus 30. What if you make shots? You know? So no, it's exactly. like, I, again, all going back to like, I'm super bummed out that Brandon Clark's not available and also just like the 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 fact that like however I watch basketball games and what like the weird way that I watch the Grizzlies um has kind of always been like you know the starters are yeah, all right those are the popular players they're fine I always find like the kind of the weird novelty guy where I'm like all right I'm not excited when this guy checks in and now I'm like I'm not I guess I'm excited for Santiago Dama, but it's not the same. Like, I'm like, I'm forcing it. I'm trying to force it. I've lost all my favorite guys off the bench for the Grizzlies. And now, like, when they sub in, it's more like, I hope this goes okay, as opposed to being, like, really excited and optimistic, like, hey, this is going to get good now. You know, I was actually thinking about that for you when, after the Brandon Clark entry, I'm like, in a span of less than 12 months, Keith has lost Kyle Anderson, Anthony Belton, and Brandon Clark. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, man, no. I feel bad. So you, so you don't have that guy anymore. You're just going to roll with Santi. No, like- I don't. I mean, but I mean, before, before the season, I was a big thing like man. I got to pick a new favorite player. I haven't, I haven't not had a favorite player on the Grizzlies. Like as far as I can remember, I was like, so I don't even know who my favorite player is on the Grizzlies anymore. Cause like, it's never been a situation where I lost both of them. Cause Kyle Anderson and Anthony Muslim were my two favorite Grizzlies players. And so now they moved on. I'm like, I was kind of between like Desmond Bain or Brandon Clark. And I'm kind of like, I guess I'll go Brandon Clark, but it never really, I don't know. It never really latched on. Um, but definitely now. Yeah. Without having those three guys off the bench where I'm like, what am I, what are we even doing here? Uh, honestly, it, it yeah. makes me less fanatical. Like maybe I can be a little bit more objective watching the Grizzlies yeah. because it used to be, I was so clouded by like, why aren't you doing this coaching staff? Like, why isn't whoever in, why isn't Kyle Anderson playing at the three with Brandon and Jared at the four or five? Why don't we ever try that? Um, yeah, no, I, I guess now I'm just kind of like, well, this is the team I cover this season isn't going that fun. Um, weight of expectations and all the off court stuff now. I mean, obviously they're, they're going to win some games and they're, they're still a very good team, but like whatever real like niche, like lineup stuff I was super fired up about, we've kind of lost that. And now it's just like, all right, if Desmond Bain and job play poorly, probably going to lose. 
We don't have these extra ways we can crank out victories. You know, every now and then, sure, someone's going to go off. Luke Kennard's going to have a big game. David Roddy's going to have a big game, like like all NBA teams. NBA players mm-hmm. are going to play well every now and then, but it's less consistent, and I think it's going to be harder for the Grizzlies um, as they go forward than, than it would have been if uh, Brandon were still here or some of those other guys who I try not to mention that that frequently. Right. And I will say, one thing that's also nice with Brandon Clark is that, you know, you sometimes people look at bench players and – they like to pull up like the per 36. Obviously, it's always unrealistic because it's like, okay, not a lot of players are gonna play 36 minutes. Hell, Taylor Jenkins doesn't even play right. <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. 30 minutes. Like, right. But when Brandon Clark played more minutes, it ob- it obviously led to good stuff. I mean, this season, when he played between 20 and 29 minutes, I have that filter because for one, basketball reference makes that easy. And two, I like I love Brandon Clark, but he shouldn't be playing 30 minutes a night. Uh, he averaged roughly 14 and seven. The Grizzlies had a plus five net rating, and they were at 11 and six last season when he played between 20 and 29 minutes. They were 23 and seven, and he averaged about 13 seven, a little over a block, and a plus nine net rating. So again, it's like having it kind of goes back to uh, now they're more top heavy. Having more guys that can level up their production when they play more minutes and then not hurt your team. That's good for the postseason. And you lost one of those players. And now you're thrusting more unproven commodities, especially in this stretch run of the season. Cause it's like, it's not like you, this happened in January where now you're like, okay, well let's go try to trade for a, a hybrid forward to have off the bench to replace Brandon Clark, like kind of stuck with what you have now. Right. Obviously until the off season. You could have even gotten a disabled player exception if it had happened earlier in the year. And then you could have used just like 10 day guys or whatever to fill in with extra players. But no, yeah, the Grizzlies. Yeah, they're stuck. I mean, they're they're flat they're flat out stuck. And um, yeah, it's just a, kind of kind of a bummer all, all all around. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a CBA expert, but yep. uh you mentioned the disabled player exception. I've had a couple people in my replies about that. Is are they ineligible for that just because it's past the playoff? Yeah, roster? I also am not a CBA expert, but it has to you have to apply for it before yeah. now. It's something like it might be like January, mid January or something. I don't know, but but it, it I do know it is too late where they cannot do a disabled player exception and given a uh, an, an extra roster spot to work with. Yeah, well, I mean, at, at that point, everyone's like, yeah, shouldn't they just go like? Sign like someone like Hassan Whiteside or something. I'm like, please no. <laughs> right. Please right. no. Okay. All well, right. That's the whole also like everyone's like, why can't we just sign this guy? Like, well, that's not going to help. I was, you know, it's not going to help. Like there is some point of like, they're, they're not going to be any better than playing small ball. They're not going to win you a basketball game. And at this point it's like, okay, let's just give Roddy LaRavia, Kenneth Lofton Jr. Uh, Zyre will just play Zyre Williams no matter what. Uh, yeah, like at this point, just play those guys. But it, de- it definitely, I get it, it makes the team worse. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, your disabled player exception is getting Steven Adams back because when you get Steven Adams back, <laughs> you can play in 25 minutes and then Xavier Tillman doesn't have to play 30 minutes anymore. Right. I mean, if fully healthy, you can talk yourself into if we're starting Jaron and Steven and then Santi and, and Xavier are your backup four or five, you should be fine. And maybe that doesn't even cost you. Maybe you were always going to make it to the second round and lose in the second round. And maybe like that backup lineup is good enough. Personally, I think that when fully healthy, the new second unit, which would be Tyus Jones, Luke Kennard, 
somebody, let's say David Roddy or Conchar or, you know, whoever. Um, but like if it's, if it's Tyus Jones, Kennard, somebody else, and then Santi Aldama and Xavier Tillman, I still really worry that that lineup is not good enough and it's, it's not, it's not a plus and it's not going to get second chance points. It's not going to keep your other, it's not going to keep your opponent off the glass. Like that's going to get, that's going to get destroyed on uh, offensive rebounding for the other team. So like, it's no longer a strength. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm, I know like we're all going through it as Grizzlies fans. Cause we don't know what's going on with Ja, and we're worried about Ja, and we don't know what's going to happen there. And obviously you lose these two, the nuggets and the Clippers games were just like heartbreaking where you, you know, you, total fourth quarter collapses but uh yeah and now i'm just wallowing in my sadness over uh <laughs> me thinking the grizzlies definitely got worse uh by losing brandon clark yeah you know it it, it is very upsetting especially you know you had that third quarter like like hell yeah 51 point oh third quarter. goodness and then i and would then... man if you would have asked like i would i would have sacrificed that that 51 point third quarter um, just to have a regular run of the mill loss. Like if we just trailed by 10, the whole game, that's, that's where I'm at emotionally Parker. I don't know if other people are there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy. Tyus Jones got his 20 point quarter. I'm happy. We dropped 51, I guess. But like, honestly, the, to have that joy and then get it all taken away by getting just totally dominated in the fourth quarter to watch, uh, Russell Westbrook post up Luke Kennard. I don't know that, that extra pain was not worth it. Uh, late Sunday night, trying to stay up and watch this game. It was so miserable. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I would have given up the 51 point just to have like a regular, I can, I can uh, put the calluses up over my heart and be like, this is a normal loss. I don't feel emotionally invested. My hope didn't get up. Uh, just, just, just give me a loss. Let's get this game over with. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, I would have just traded the 51 point quarter where I'd be like, okay, can I get like 20 of those points and just move them over to the fourth quarter instead? <laughs> it's like the because well, law of I mean, averages. We did, at some point. we did law of averages. We scored 68 points in a second half. That's awesome. Just yeah, the but... breakdown was 51 and 17. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is poor. All right, let's uh let's try to wrap this with uh a, on a little less uh depressing note of sorts. Uh, so. First off, you know, you are a very, very big lineup data guy. You do a really good job of illustrating these lineup combinations and stuff. And, you know, given the people that may not have access to cleaning the glass, what they're missing. And you're always trying to find the right combinations. Obviously, you're very out. You were very outspoken about the job, Bain, Brooks, Clark, Jackson lineup. First off, I want to ask you before I ask any sort of lineup combinations, what is the breakfast equivalent? of line uh lineup data and basketball the breakfast equivalent of line i don't i don't know parker that's you've asked me in a tub what what is an analogy for breakfast yeah as far as analogy data? yeah it's i mean are we just talking about like 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 recipes i, I don't even okay know, so man. like lineup i'm data trying to yes and this i'm gonna play along lineup data lineup yeah. data is to basketball what blank is to breakfast Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. 
So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. That doesn't seem like the hardest question in the world to you. Like, no. uh, all right, all right, Maybe. All right. Uh, <laughs> but that's really hard to compare. Um, I mean, I guess you would pick out your favorite, like, like ingredient combination, like cinnamon and sugar, maybe, maybe yeah. cinnamon, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. For me, that's my cinnamon and sugar for breakfast. Those things work well together. Maybe eggs and like pepper. I don't know. I'm not even a cook. Ooh. I just have a breakfast gimmick to my to my podcasts. I, I don't uh, hot sauce with cheese. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I guess it would have to be ingredients. You think of the lineups. I mean, I am a little bit like I find the lineup stuff entertaining mainly. Yeah. I think like I look at it for entertainment value mainly. I do use it to punctuate my personal opinions. I do use it um, as propaganda when needed to prop up the arguments I want to make. Although I, I will grant people you can twist lineup data to basically say whatever you want most of the time. And so I, I, I know I post a lot of the stuff. Um, I just I'll let the listeners know here that uh, it can it can be very misleading and uh, be very careful when you see anyone um, using it. Know that we usually have ulterior motives with what we're uh, sharing. Yeah, like I, I would, you know, <laughs> pack on the Brandon Clark theme. I would yeah. you know, always be like, yeah, we need Brandon Clark minutes. Just don't look at his on off, please. Right, but, right, yeah. The Brandon Clark on-offs were not awesome this year. It's the same as like last year, Kyle Anderson's on-offs were, were, were pretty bad. And again, that's where you have to be like, well, you have to use context with all these lineup data things. Like, why is so-and-so's numbers always good? Like, that's that's the mystery around Dylan Brooks, where Dylan Brooks is always incredible. Led the Grizzlies in on-off net rating swing, you know, the last two seasons. Um, finally, Jaron's overtaken him this season. But you just have to figure it out. Like, what is it? it the lineup data just shows you what has occurred. And then you have to figure out who are these guys playing with? Who are they mm -hmm. playing against? Why do the numbers say what they do? Absolutely. So one of the questions I told you I wanted to ask you that actually has to do with the Grizzlies and not breakfast is, is there, what, what would you pick out or try out as a new death lineup to close this season out? Yeah. Now that um, this one is unavailable. Right. Um, that's, that's part of my depression where I, where I, I'm still in like a, I don't know what death lineup is anymore. Like, I guess it's just our starters. Like, we don't have a weird, I don't think there's a secret. I don't think there's a secret answer. Like, one thing I wanted to unlock is I, I do want to try, like, like Santi Aldama at, at the three more. But a lot of that was was prefaced under him playing with Brandon and Jaron. So now that's gone, I don't know. I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind trying Santi Aldama at the three alongside Jaron and Steven. But there isn't really like a secret lineup that we have to try. I mean, I guess you can say with with no John Morant for, for at least a game and probably more, I think you would definitely say the lineup we want to see is Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron and Steven. Before Steven gets back, you put Santi in there. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm extremely intrigued by... Santi and Jaron is the four or five with a Kennard, Bain, and Dylan one through three. To me, that's super cool. That sounds super fun. Um, a little bit of ball handling. Like Desmond Bain's been doing a great job handling the basketball. Kennard can do that some, you know, a little bit. But like, I'm very interested by the non-traditional point guard lineups of Kennard and Bain. It kind of makes up for Bain and Kennard not having the most length and not being the best defenders. Like the problem with this is again like the problem with like my lack of enthusiasm for acquiring Luke Kennard is like 
if you're playing John Moran and Desmond Bain, it's hard to put Luke Kennard out there too, just because mm-hmm. of like defense and rebounding issues that you're going to have. And like, if your second unit or if like Tyus Jones is out there having Tyus and Desmond and, um, Kennard, like you're really giving up a lot on the defensive glass. And then if you, um, and then if like without Brendan Clark now, well, if we want to play small ball, like put Roddy at the four or Dylan at the four, all of these lineups, it's like, they're, they're intriguing and they're fun offensively, but you're going to get murdered on, on rebounding stuff. So uh, like, I don't know, like what, what's your, do you have one that now that Brandon Clark's gone that you're like, this is, this is the new death lineup. I'm super excited about seeing. Yeah. So you, you threw one out there that I really liked. And one of the first ones that came to mind was that non-traditional of Bain, Kennard, Brooks, Jackson, Adams. The thing that's tough now with the death lineup is the death lineup is what you're supposed to close with because that's winning time. But now I feel like their death lineup has to just be the perfect stagger against primarily second units. Um, and I think that's where you can kind of get in. I, I don't even know if it's like a certain lineup, but I just want to see Bain and Kennard with Steven Adams and just have, yeah, yeah, have those two freed up by his screens. That's kind of what I want to see right now. His screens and his offensive rebounding generating those second chance opportunities, the wide open three pointers off of missed shots. Yeah, no, that's right. that, that's going to be a huge part of Steven Adams returning is getting those open looks. But again, the problem with any Kennard death lineup is like, and I know we're just throwing on the term death lineup, but like you, like Kennard is something that the other team can focus on and be mm-hmm. like, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do attack that. And that was like one of the one of the great things about like Ja and Bain and Dylan, Jaron and Brandon. There's no specific weeks point that you're going to try to exploit if the Grizzlies switch a lot of stuff they're going to be fine you're going to have a lot of a good defensive versatility there in offensive like all offense offense that's very poorly said a all offense lineup like it's not going to uh you know it's probably not going to be that much of a thing you can depend on constantly because you're going to get picked apart eventually and teams are going to isolate the weak link and, and probably attack that specifically in the playoffs they're going to go you know over and over and over again at your weak point of the defense yeah and that's also kind of why i'd say with any sort of but let's just not use death lineup because yeah, yeah. it's just not going to be death fun anymore. lineup i don't know the 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 parker the fun, the the fun lineup that gets media, ex- fun lineup yeah the fun lineup that gets all of us excited. The thing is, I feel like in any sort of this situation, especially right now without John Morant, you have to choose between one of Tyus Jones or Luke Kennard because you can't have both of them on the floor at the same time or else you have two targets defensively. I don't, man. So, like, you say that, but there's nothing else. There's literally there's nothing a, else. And that, like You have to play them on the I, – like I, like, I am – Maybe just the novelty of, of getting to know Luke Kennard. You know, him, he's the newest Grizzlies player. And so I want to watch him play. I want to see what he does. Like Luke Kennard and Ty Jones are going to play a lot together. And you have to play them a lot together because you can't, you don't have other players. Like you're not going to play LaRavia or, or Vince Williams or Kenneth Lofton. Like those are your legitimate proven rotation NBA players. So we're going to play them. The going back to the general Keith's feeling of Grizzly sadness are, those are not like elite game-changing players. Yeah, Tyus had whatever the first player since Mookie Blaylock to have whatever it was, 25 points, 12 assists, five steals, five threes, no turnovers. Like Tyus has these games, but he's up and down. That's why he's not like a full-time awesome kind of starter guy. And, you know, w- when you talk about the level the Grizzlies are at and the level we want to be, which is competing with the Suns and the Nuggets and the Bucks and the Celtics and the Sixers and the Warriors and the Mavs. 
Like we no longer have like a clear, oh, we're as good as those teams. We're like, oh, I hope we're as good as those teams, but we have fewer options. And like, you can't tell me the lineups we have to play now when there's no Steven Adams, there's no John Morant. Like we're not as good as the opponents a lot of the nights. And that's like, again, this is the, this is the, the disappointment of this point of the season right now, because it looked like a month ago we were, and it looked like, you know, a month ago we're, we're one of the, one of the three or four teams that looks like the, one of the best teams in the NBA and coming off of last year, we hoped this season would be that where we're competing for a title. Like we've, we've raised our expectation level. The bar it's no longer icing on the cake that we're winning 50 games, which by the way, we're not on pace to win 50 games anymore. Like it's right. It's all, it's all like now that the expectations are raised, surely that takes some of like the easy free flowing joy. Maybe that's some of the stuff that the team's dealing with the John Moran is dealing with. Like it's now the burden, the anxiety of you, being expected to do things and the when, when you fail to meet those ex- expectations, it's hard. And as fans, it's it's not as just joyous. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we can just rediscover the joy of just beating a team. That's all we want, you know, but I don't know yeah. what it is. Um, maybe some of these lines will pop. And that's the fun part about watching basketball where like they'll surprise you and you're like, hey, we're running people out of the gym now when when Roddy and Kennard are playing together or if it's Roddy Kennard, you know, Tillman and Aldama, maybe they'll, they'll find a little synergy. But so much so much of it is unknown, unknown to me, like unknown to people who watch all these games because like I haven't seen these guys play that much. I didn't you know, I don't watch college basketball, so yeah, I only know what they do at summer league and basically in the league. I, I don't watch hustle games. I thought this year was going to be the year I start watching Memphis hustle. It has not been Parker. I do not have, I've not had to, <laughs> I have not found the time uh, d- d- to dial into a uh, John Roser calling hustle games yet. Um, but like, you know, so much of what the, the Grizzlies roster is now to me, it's unknown. And so we get to learn about it over the final, whatever it is, 20 games. Yeah. Yeah. I will say two things. One, uh, I, I don't want to also come across as uh, someone participating uh, in deep Luke Kennard slander because I, I decided that I was going to transfer a lot of my uh, my fight for Brandon Clark into yeah. Luke Kennard because it's nice to have a guy that you can almost any time he shoots basketball from three, it's like, oh, yeah, that's going in. Oh, yeah, and it's awesome. He's been, a, he's been excellent shooting. And two – uh, got to speaking of the hustle, got to take my wife's service dog, Lizzie to the hustle game last night. She did great, but you know, the G league, it's all about developing. We're trying to get her, we're trying to get her in the grindhouse for those big moments. But, uh, yeah. one, last, one last little final thing when it comes, uh-huh. cause this is kind of a part where it's like, it's a combination of searching for a little bit more joy watching Grizzlies games. I guess that's also, I mean, mainly. I know in your case, you know, you're looking for more joy watching Grizzlies games, but you're also looking for different combinations for something to pop. Do you think with that final 10th man rotation spot, at least for this next six weeks, last six weeks of the regular season, should they try one more time with Zaire, Roddy, or Laravia? Not for something with the postseason, but if they can get some good momentum going forward for next season to solidify one of those guys as a rotation player. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think definitely. You, you, like, I was about to say, what do you have to lose? I guess you have like the second seed to lose, the three seed to lose. But it does feel like, all right, there's one more guy out of the rotation who's proven. Like, what's the point of rostering all these guys in a year where you could have competed for a title? Like, what's the point of letting Kyle Anderson and De'Anthony Wilson go for developmental guys if you're not going to develop them? I mean, like, I don't... Like, why do we let those guys go to play John Conchar? Like, I like John Conchar. This is the funny thing where, like, again, 
I like watching the Grizzlies. I love the Grizzlies. I do. Like I, every, I watch every game, and I enjoy watching every game. When I talk about my lack of joy, it's like, oh, I thought we were going to be a title contender, and I don't feel like we're a title contender right now. Like that's that's my lack of joy. I still love watching every single game, but like, and I love like I love Don Concha, but. John Contra is not going to get you out of the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs. And so we have to find players better than John Contra. And it's distressing that we have not yet identified guys on the roster who are better than John Contra. And like, if, if a playoff series started today, I'm going to go on my Twitter account and be like, Hey, John Contra needs to be in there because we don't have anyone better than John Contra. Like if, if it, we're talking about winning the game tonight, if, if the playoffs start today, I'm like, man, John Contra needs to play 25 minutes. Cause like what a, like I don't know if, like I don't know if I want to ride with Roddy yet. Roddy's been playing great. I'm not taking anything away from Roddy, but like I honestly I think I'm going to trust John Conchar more. The overall like discouragement is like we don't have anyone better uh, than this guy. So to answer your question, yeah, I would be like, I would be like, I don't know what you desire. I mean, they, they know more than I do because I, they're watching the hustle games, they're watching practices, they're talking to him. They know him as a person. I do not. Maybe there, maybe the idea of like, we just got to play this guy 25 minutes and see if he can work through it one night. You know, I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe they're just like, it's not working for him this year for whatever reason. Um, but like, yeah, as a fan, as an outsider, I want to see just like, man, play the Ravia 25 minutes. Like, let's just, let's see what happens with these guys because where I'm at personally, I know what Tyus Jones is. I know what John Conchar is. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't know what Luke Kennard is as well, but like, I'm still, I know his ceiling probably isn't where we, 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 we want something to be. That's another thing where people are, people on Twitter all the time, which is, you know, a terrible representation of, of people in real life, but people are like, Hey, what do you have against Luke Kennard? Literally nothing. I, I like, I don't know the guy. Like, I don't like, I barely watched him. My take is like, Oh, he's, as far as I know, he's the best. He's the most accurate three point shooter in the NBA. And, like, the scouting report is, you know, he waits for open looks. And, like, he drilled open looks against the Clippers, but, like, you know there's that give and take. He's a good offensive player, but, you know, he, he takes away stuff on the defensive end. So I'm still watching, trying to figure out what's like. I'm just, again, I don't I don't get overly carried away when we get a guy. Like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's not awesome. He was given to you. He was given away to you. If he were awesome, he would not have been given away to you. So I'm going to cheer for him and hope for him. But uh, all that, very long-winded. Yeah. I would love to see just like unleash Roddy, unleash Laravia, unleash Zaire Williams, because like, you know, we're not going to catch the nuggets. And so maybe you can use this regular season laboratory to find something else that can help you uh, a spark that helps you make the investment now. So when you need Roddy to close a game in the first round of the playoffs or Laravia to close a game, or you need Zaire to break out of his funk that they're prepared. I mean, I don't know how you develop all three of them. Like, Maybe you have to just pick one to be like 20 games right. left. Let's play five straight games with like just giving LaRavia some burn. But like LaRavia hasn't played in forever. So my general takeaway is, all right, they they saw all they wanted to from him this year. We'll try again next year, you know? Um, yeah. The Zaire minutes have been so discouraging. Like the, the few minutes he played against the Clippers were so discouraging. Uh, the garbage time he played against the Nuggets. Where he, like, he came in an air ball two laps. And you're just like, well, what do you do with that? <laughs> you know, like, what, what are we supposed to do with Zaire? Um, 
You got to be feeling down again, Parker. Um, no, I'm no, I'm excited. Again, I'm I'm excited yeah. to watch. Bane is incredible. I'm excited to watch Desmond Bane, Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm excited to watch uh, Dylan Brooks coming off his suspension. I'm excited to watch Stephen Adams when he finally returns. Uh, this Grizzlies again, they're top heavy. They're top five. Their starting lineup is great, and it's great compared to all teams. You know, it's really really good compared to all teams. And you know, we'll cross our fingers for health and good luck, and um, and and hopefully they can go far. Absolutely. Yeah. And to just close on a better note, I mean, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., they've taken leaps where it's like, okay, I'm comfortable with these guys being the second or third best player on a championship team. And Steven Adams, he's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but like the seeing Tyus Jones now like pull up for threes without really thinking about it has been awesome. Like I've, I love watching that. But, you know, Keith and I are just two people covering and tweeting about the Memphis Grizzlies that are upset that Brandon Clark is hurt. And that- yeah, we're, just, we're, we're in pain. That's all we're doing guys. We're in pain uh, because uh, who wouldn't be in pain? You're a monster. If you're not in pain right now, <laughs> you know, that was, this was very therapeutic, Keith. I appreciate you coming on GBB live. Uh, if you have anything else to say, uh, just let it fly and let the people know where they can find you and all your stuff. I do not. I Well, I guess if you're a Grizzlies fan, listen to Grits and Grinds, my Grizzlies podcast. If you want some general NBA entertainment, uh, listen to Fast Break Breakfast and follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Absolutely. One of the best NBA Twitter accounts to follow. Follow him on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And make sure you are checking out all the great work of Bluff City Media at BluffCityMedia.co. And become an insider to get all the best content and access to Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Tigers, and all things Memphis sports. And with that, we will see you next week. Got that monkey on my back, man. I gotta shake it off.